Welcome to the podcast. I am Shane Barker, your host of Shane Barker's Marketing Madness Podcast. My guest today, Dr. Linda Williams, is going to talk about life coaching and how to turn your pain into power. She's the founder of Who's Apple Dynamic and the author of Who's Apple Is It Anyways? Empowering Purpose to Achieve Your God-Ordained Destiny. She's a keynote speaker, business consultant, and certified executive coach. Listen as she talks about healing your past traumas, tapping into your purpose, and growing your business and the life of an entrepreneur. Well, cool. I figured we'll just jump into this. Like I said, I know we've been talking for a little bit now that we can hear me better. You know, usually what we do is we start off with just some like foundational questions on where you grew up and that kind of thing. And we kind of jump into it. And like, as I touched on, there's a lot of things you've done in your career. And so I'm excited about exploring some of those things and talking about your experience. And so anyways, I'm excited about the next steps. Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit. So you're currently, you're in Michigan right now, right? Don't you live in? Yes, sir. Awesome. 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 So tell us, did you grow up in Michigan or kind of give us a little background? Okay. So from age one to 18, half of that was where I was born, which is a suburb of Chicago, Illinois, that was called East Chicago Heights, Illinois. It's now called Ford Heights. Mm. So from one to nine, we lived in the city. And then at nine, for some strange reason I haven't figured out yet, <laughs> my dad moved us up to the boondocks on a two-track freaking road with grass growing up to your shoulders, some country place where I grew up from age nine to 18, at which time I got the heck up out of there. I'm trying not to cuss. No, no, it's okay. You can throw around some words. So you, from nine to 18, your dad said, hey, we're going to move to a place where the grass is taller than everybody what in our family. It? And then yeah. you're like, what happened, dad? Why, why are we in so much trouble? Was he, were you on the witness protection list or something? Well, I mean, what happened? There's got to be something. You know, I could have accepted that explanation, <laughs> all right? But what they gave me was this, and it's hardly going to make any sense. Well, I'll take you back a little bit. In East Chicago Heights, Illinois, around the time I was born, which is like 1957, there was one hospital in that town, and every Black woman that went into that hospital, the baby died. Okay, so I was born in Chicago proper, but what was happening at the time, we're talking about what, 66, 65, Jesus. things were getting kind of bad there. And what happened was my mother read in the newspaper about two brothers who were fighting over a chicken bone, a piece of chicken or something. And one of them wound up taking a dirt nap in a grass blanket and it freaked her out. So then daddy went to look at in all of the want ads and found this abandoned property of 48 acres, I think it was. And it was a house that was half built. They didn't finish it. And he bought all of that because his dream was to own land all his life. He always wanted to own land. Now, daddy's like one generation removed from slavery. Uh, and he grew up in Mount Bayou, Mississippi, which is the, one of the first settlements of slaves after the slaves were freed. So he wanted to own lands and he found his land in a want ad. They came up one weekend, bought the land, and then they came back and got us and we moved up here into Michigan in June of 66. Wow, that is incredible. Just that backstory, because it's like, it's one of those things like he's always wanted to add land and all of a sudden he's like, now we got the land. You're like, this is awesome. Wait, what do you mean the house is half done? You're like, no, we're gonna, right. we got to work. That's what we got to do. I was not a happy camper. I've had the 
ass with my excuse me, I'm like I had to butt with them ever since. Like, wait a minute. So it was culture shock. Okay, oh, yeah, for sure. So 18, I graduate, go off to college, and I said, I'm never coming back. My mother didn't know why I was packing everything I own, but I packed everything I own. That's crazy. So that was when you were 18 and you just said, Hey, I'm, I'm out of here, right? And then that was that was but then you obviously moved back, right? I mean, you're in you're in Michigan now, right? Right. Awesome. I moved back. So I moved. Okay. So moved out 18, went to Western Michigan University, uh, domestic violence situation. I had to run for my life. Got to read the book to read all the details of that. Yeah. And I ran to Chicago in 79. So from 79 to 90, I lived in Chicago. Okay. And my husband went to prison. Yeah. And so I moved back home. My mother told me one day I called on the phone because somebody was ripping me off, half fixed my car, it was cost me money. I was beside myself and I was fussing about it. And she said, Linda, you're going to move back home. You need to be home. Your whole life is messed up. You're going to pack your stuff. You're going to transfer your job. You're moving back to Michigan. And I thought she lost her mind. I hung up on her. <laughs> <laughs> we'll end this conversation quick, huh? You're like, no, right? I'm Sorry, I got to talk to Tone. Later, one month later, I had sold everything I owned, transferred my job, and moved in Rapids, Michigan. Isn't it crazy how parents have mind control over you? Like, there's no way I'm doing that. I hang up. You're like, there's no way. And then 30 days later, you're like, I just sold everything. I'm not sure what's going on. It's that Jedi mind trick of parents. Right. I, and I haven't regretted it. I've been here ever since. Yeah, that's awesome. Man, that is something else. I love the backstory on that. And so... Dad got land. You obviously got out at, at 18 and said, hey, like, you know, I think it's always a hard time, especially from Chicago to Michigan, right? That is definitely a, a cultural shock for sure of what you got going on. Yeah. But like, obviously parents making the decision, hopefully to protect you. But at the end of that age nine, like, how do you, you know, you're like, this doesn't make any sense. You know, all my friends are in Chicago, right? Like, why? And obviously we moved to this place called Michigan. Wasn't even on the map for you. And then here you are. Yeah. And where did you go to school? I know you've, you've got a few diplomas because I'm we're on a podcast and I'm looking at like 39 diplomas that you got behind. <laughs> I, I, went, to, went to Western Michigan University, Eastern Michigan University out of high school, had to drop out because of domestic violence, went to Chicago. And some 10, 20 years later, I went to Calvin to finish my bachelor's. After Calvin, I, nine months later, I went into my master's. And then it took me a few years to get my doctorate. So I've been to Western Michigan University, Eastern Michigan University, Calvin University, uh, Capella University. Man, look at that. I can't even spell half those. That's that's when you know you're educated. I'm like, my God, I was looking behind there. Just congratulations on all you've Thank done. You. And and this domestic violence stuff. So obviously he's he was well done. You got him. Is that the reason why he went to prison? Not that we need to go heavy into that, but I just was kind of curious. See, this is too funny. No, no. I've been married twice. Ah, okay. So the first domestic violence guy, okay, that was a big mess, holy mess and everything. I had to run for my life. But today, nowadays, he and his wife are friends of mine. And it's like we're one big happy oh, family. Oh, that's awesome. And the guy that I was married to that went to prison, he and I are divorced now. And so the domestic violence situation was separate from the guy that went to prison for rape. You ain't got, look, you don't have time for this. We it's don't. Like, I, I got to be careful. <laughs> we go too far down that rabbit's tunnel. We're not going to talk about any of the, any of the other stuff. I, but this is the thing is like, we start talking about that. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm inquiring mind want to know. I want to know what's right? going on. So this is okay. So we'll leave that one alone for now, but you're friends with your, the, your original husband. So you're still on good terms there. Yeah, both of them. That's awesome. Well, you seem like you're a likable person. That's probably why they were like, you know what? I probably messed that up a little bit, right? And you're like, I was trying to tell you that at the time. 
<laughs> Got him. That's awesome. So, man, once again, I told you, I don't even know where to start with you because you've done so many things. So let's talk about, so you got the Who's Apple, right? Which you've done, um, that you have on your website. And let's talk about it a little bit because obviously you do a lot of coaching and consulting. I want to kind of talk about like how you, because obviously your degrees, like where you started off in college and then where, what was your career path? And like, how did you get into what you're doing today? Well, I think that one of the biggest mistakes we ever make is asking kids what they want to be, you know, when, when they leave high school. So I just decided to take a journalism track. I wasn't cared about no journalism. So that was the first time right out of right out of uh, right out of uh, high school. Uh-huh. And then when I went back to school, it was what was it? Calvin University offered like a so many months, one time a week. You could keep working as an adult and the, the accelerated course. So it was business. Look, yeah. I'm just falling in the crap. I ain't even gonna act like I knew what I was doing. And they <laughs> let me with that to do, let me off the hook because I was with USDA Food and Nutrition Service and we would administer all of the feeding programs, school lunch, school breakfast, with food stamps. And I could not bring myself to write about food stamps. And they were kind <laughs> enough to let me choose something else. And I just, recidivism, why do people go back to prison, fell in my lap. Well, I was married to an ex-con. Yeah. So I said, okay, that makes sense. And it was a 15-month thesis research program, and it resulted in prison fellowship picking up the model in that and partnering with a human service agency in the area to do a lot of what I had suggested in that. I got to co-write the grant, blah, blah, blah. So because that paper was social work related, then nine months later, I went and got my master's of social work from Western. That's awesome. So it's funny. So my dad was a social worker. That's what I said. Really? Yeah. I mean, he, he was actually president of the teachers association. So I'm here in Sacramento and he was, yeah, I mean, he worked at, well, it was Leo Palmer, but it was, um, it's just kind of interesting. So a social worker, I mean, I grew up in a social where it was like, mom was a nurse and my dad was a social worker. So I was always hearing you got about it. the public sector it. for sure. Yeah. You know what I'm talking That's about. Awesome. So I fell into a bunch of junk. So, you know, so. Yeah. But the thing is, but social working is just such, just, it's, it's such a good business. There's just so much stuff going on, especially these days, right? We got coronavirus and all the other stuff that we're, we're dealing with right now, but that's awesome. You're doing, doing selfless work by helping other people. I think that's awesome. Yeah. I fell into that mess. I ain't going to sit here and lie. Oh yeah. I decided I was going to do this and do that, man. I fell into a whole bunch of jokes. But this is, but that's, but that's what's awesome about it. Your journey has been, is quite colorful. I mean, the things that you've done, right? I mean, that's what I love about people's journey. That's why I love having this podcast. Like sometimes we talk about marketing, sometimes about other stuff, but really what it comes down to is like, I love hearing people's story, right? Everybody's story is different in regards to what they had to deal with in life and how they dealt with it. Right. And like, yeah. did it's like, I mean, we've all been punched in the face a few times, like, you know, and it's, how do you get back up? Right. And how do you, you know, keep going and how you fall in some shit sometimes. And sometimes you don't. And sometimes you're like, I don't know how I got here, but here I am. It's that, that journey is just always so intriguing to me. It's just around and about it. It's like when you look back and join up all the dots, you see that it made some rhyme or reason, but destiny never looks the way you think it will. Shane. No, no. It never looks the way you think it is. It's like the Bible says, man plans his way, but the Lord directs his path. Yeah, that's it. Well, they talk about the same thing with entrepreneurship. You know, you have those little, of course, we're on a podcast, so you can't see it. But the thing is, they talk about the journey. And, you know, when people go from this point to this point is a straight line, but actually it's just up and down, right? And that's, that's life. That's how it goes. It's like, 
I mean, I think it's cool that you're, I think you're probably using a lot of the stuff that you've learned through your life or in your coaching and consulting company. Like touch on that a little bit on what you got going today. And I mean, once again, I looked at your resume and everything else you got going on and we, we only have an hour. So I don't, you know, we're going to have to condense this thing down here a little bit, but, but talk about what you got going on today with your coaching and consulting, what you do. Well, I'm really glad that you asked that, Shane, because one thing I wanted to talk about since you've got such a reach with your podcast is I started my business some five years ago after writing the book, Whose Apple Is It Anyway? And that was a seven-year journey of peeling trauma, layers and layers of trauma off to heal enough to be able to service the people that I service. But the thing about it is after all of this time, you know, I just now figured out that sales funnel, been taking classes on it, reading about it, trying it out. (laughs) I'm just getting it. But the more important thing I wanted to say to your audience is I'm just now really leaning into my purpose. All of the things you just said here about, you know, it's rounded about and you use where all the different places you've been and the things you've been through to help other people. I was marketing myself B2B on LinkedIn to be a consultant and a business consultant to CEOs, okay, because I've got the labor management background, leadership, et cetera. But I was fighting that trauma aspect, the -hmm. domestic violence, the sexual assault I've been through. I've been fighting that. And so recently I'm leaning into that to narrow it down to where I have I have to understand what my lane is, which is just lean into all the crap you've done, the knucklehead stuff you've done, the stuck on stupid stuff you've done (laughs) and be real about it. Why am I hiding that? It took me seven years of blood, sweat, and tears to write a stinking book because I had to heal with every page I wrote. So what? how do I leverage that healing? And so now, just recently, I decided to lean into uh, letting everybody know that I'm a sexual assault and domestic violence survivor. So I'm just beginning to go ahead and, and put that into my marketing stuff. It's all about authenticity. You know, one of the questions you have here is why is authenticity important? I think it should, if you are going to have a values-driven business where you know that you're going to adhere to certain personal values that you have, then you cannot do that and be inauthentic. Yeah, You can't do that without admitting you made mistakes and when you make mistakes, because to me, I can't take another somebody sitting in front of a $300,000 car and a mansion talking about I did it, you can too. I've got drawn into that crap. I yeah. got drawn into that mess. And the truth of the matter is you can't help me if you can't tell me the mistakes you made. Full stop. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that's that you miss a lot of that piece because the thing, especially with social media, right? Because everybody wants to be, not everybody, but the ideas or what people think is like, I have to be perfect, right? So you got to put out this image of being perfect, which is all BS, right? I mean, there's nobody's that's perfect, right? And I think people resonate with people that are more authentic in the sense that they're talking about their true story and things that they've done, right? The good, the bad, yeah. and the ugly. I mean, we're where we're at today. I'm a better marketer today because of my failures, not necessarily because of my successes, right? And I'm very open about things that I've done that have been good, bad, or ugly, right? I, I have no problem. I mean, I was raising a pretty, once again, my dad was a social worker. So, I was like, hey, let's talk about it. My mom was like a nurse. She was a hugger and they were hippies. I mean, what else am I supposed to do except talk? Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that, that was, that was my deal. That was my upbringing was like, you know, 
how do we, you know, like talk about the things you got going on and how you feel about things. And I think for me, I've always been on a personal level, but also on a marketing level. Like I, I started my blog eight years ago with the intent of educating people, of letting people know like, Hey, this is what we've done. That's been successful. And this was some stuff that we did that wasn't successful. And I think it's the same thing with anything I've done in life. It's like, I look at, you know, successful businesses. I've had way more unsuccessful businesses than I've had successful, but everything's foundational. Like the more you learn through the stuff that you failed on, then you're going to get to a point where you're going to have success and it just takes time, you know, but it's important to, to address those types of things. And I think from the things that you had to deal with in your past, you know, regards to that, a lot of that stuff holds you back and you never know why that is right? Because you're ashamed of it or you're just, you know, whatever it is, like, why did it happen? I mean, there's so many other questions to be able to, to, you know, I hate to use the, the analogy of an onion peeling back, but it's like, you know, you're, you're getting to this situation where you're like, like, it's healing. Like, how do you get through that? Because it's not a, it's so crazy. I had a, one of my other podcast interviews just a few days ago, we kind of, she kind of went through the same situation. She was raped and had some situation. Once we were supposed to talk about marketing, but we started talking about this. I think it's, it's an interesting thing of like how much healing goes into that. I don't think people really understand truly trying to get through a situation that happened like that. It's just, it's so traumatic. It's not a go see a counselor for an hour and then you figure it out and they give you a pill or a magic wand or whatever and say, Hey, now you're healed. It's like, you know, that thing constantly haunts you and you always have something else that keeps coming around and, and how do you get through that? Right. And so I think now you, now you're at a point where you're like, Hey, I'm embracing that. I'm okay with that. And I have to imagine because now that you're more open about it and telling people about it, I mean, have you seen more people come and talk to you about stuff that that's gone, that's gone, you know, that's happened to them. And I mean, I think people really open up once you open up. Have you kind of seen that? Yeah. I got to unpack. You said a lot of powerful stuff. The onion number one, that's exactly how trauma healing occurred. One layer after another. The other thing is you hit on, I don't know what your exact words were, but it's about the stories we think are too true to tell. Those are the stories that become the scripts by which we live our lives. And you mentioned the shame. Yes, I think the shame holds people back. And it brings me to, as part of my embracing my past, I noticed that a lot of men, I keep coming across my path, telling me stories they're not telling anybody else. These men have been sexually assaulted and don't want to tell. Yeah. And so I just put a video up about that, about the, um, I call them the, the, the silent me to minority, mm. the men who are not telling the stories they think are too true to tell. And yes, to answer your question, it's those stories that if we lean into and get the courage to speak it out of our mouths, they do become the, 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 um, I call it the magic sauce, the awesome sauce that makes us stand out in the marketplace. When we lean into that and can get the courage to tell that story, then it no longer has a grip on us. I just put a video up on LinkedIn about that. And they weren't doing anything less than what I did for years. I did heal enough when I came through the seven years of writing the book, but to really put yourself out there, it's a vulnerability involved. And I think, yes, you've got a heck of a following on social media. And as I speak to you, it came to me in keeping with what you said, that that's because you're real about life. You're real about who you are and you're not putting on airs. And that's got to be part of the key to your following. And I totally agree with you that we are who your greatest power is realized in the truth of who you are. And we have got to know that truth. We've got to not only know that truth, we have to embrace that truth. And we have to allow that truth to become a part of who we are and not be ashamed of it. 
Yeah. I think that's the important part is, and I think that's probably the, one of the most difficult things because once again, I mean, just depending on how you're raised and other things that have happened, it's like it's people, a lot of the times you're taught not to go, you know, you don't want to bother anybody with this and you don't want to tell people you'll be embarrassing or you make the family look bad or whatever that is. There's a lot of that plays into that. And I think it's one of those things that once you could shed that, which is extremely difficult, especially like I said, with these days with social media and everything like that. And we're in the public eye, obviously, with you know, public speaking and things like that it becomes difficult. Like you either have to go all in, you can't go halfway in, right? You can't go, I'm going to kind of tell a few things and then let people ask you questions and you can't. It's like, there's a point where it's like, it's very freeing once you get to a point where you're like, I'm just going to tell people what whatever happened and what's going on and be comfortable with it. And people are going to accept it the way that they are going to accept it or they're not going to accept it. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's about self-healing and making sure that you're taking care of yourself. And that's important. And a lot of people don't do that these days. Well, because we become the wrong that was done to us. Mm. I stuffed a rape for 30 years because I thought that I deserved it. Mm. Now I'm an education individual with a degree in psychotherapy and I wasn't seeing my life shame playing out on the pages of those textbooks. Mm. Okay. And I didn't have enough sense after all of that to recognize that I didn't deserve to be raped. Yeah. That, that, that I didn't know he was a rapist when I let him in. I mean, I let the guy in and when I know he's leaving, I'm bleeding from the rectum. And he just walked on out of my life, but he may as well have had me in his unrelenting grip for 30 years because I became that wrong by virtue of thinking I deserved that wrong. And see, it goes much deeper as your dad as a social worker will tell you, your mother's seen the physical repercussions of this. Mm. We are too ashamed to speak our stories because on some deeper level, we're blaming ourselves for it. Yeah. And that's just a terrible thing. Cause it's like, you feel like you deserved it or there was, or you provoked it or you should have, you know, it's like, whatever that is. And that's just terrible. Right. I mean, that's just not, nobody should, you know, especially have to go through that, but then also feel that afterwards. It's like, wait a second. And, you know, and, and if you don't talk about it and tell people about it, then you, you know, you've got these, these demons in your head of, you know, and you you start to think these things that, that aren't true, but you don't have anybody else to support you to go, wait a second. That's cr- like, why would you even think? Nobody that? to challenge those yeah. lies you live in, the yeah. lies you believe in. And for men, it's more difficult because even at least one of the men that, that I've run across, it was an adult, he was an adult and it was adult woman that did this to him. And see, it's bad enough, you're a female, you got the Feed Me Too movement now, the kind of you know critical mass to empower you to speak your story, some of which were so traumatic you didn't even remember them for years. Yeah. But for a man, it's a whole different dynamic, Shane. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can. I mean, listen, I, I'll tell you, I've never told anybody this. I, I had a situation. This was, I don't know how many years ago, but I had a, it was a friend of mine that actually was through church. It was a whole nother story. We were adults and we, you know, I went out to, I'm not going to say the city because I don't, you know, I don't want her to be a weird situation. I haven't seen her since then, but it was absolutely a situation where I was absolutely forced in a situation that I had to like physically try to get out of. And I did, thank goodness. And, and she was, and it was just one of those weird situations that I just would never imagine. She was a friend from church and, you know, she was strictly a friend. Like, I, in fact, I think I had a girlfriend at the time because this was probably 30 years ago. I mean, it was a long time ago. No, maybe not 30 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, 25 years ago. But mm-hmm. anyway, so yeah, it was a, cr- a crazy little, you know, and that was the kind of thing I've, I've never really thought about how that affected me because I did get out. It was still a weird situation. And, but it was, you know, I was able to get out. And I think probably because I was physically stronger than she was. 
but I can't imagine not being physically stronger and being in a situation that, that I wasn't able to, to get out of that. Right. Cause I mean, that's a, it was traumatic for me just in the sense of there was trust there. Right. Of like, Hey, we were friends right. and you know, we went out and had right. some drinks and everything was fine. I must've been, I right. been yeah. And then all of a sudden there's this situation where I'm like, what just happened? Like even looking back at it, it's like just a crazy, crazy deal. So yeah, it's interesting. But you, I mean, how are you using that? Obviously everything that you've learned, it's like you have this, not only the degrees, but I mean, just the knowledge and stuff. And are you using that today? Like with your consulting, like how are you tying that in? I, you sounds like now you like, you have a very clear purpose on what you're doing. I mean, other than the book and everything you've come out with, like, what is your, what are you looking at now? Where are you looking to, to put your efforts? Well, my greatest effort is going into holding myself accountable to the mess I'm telling my clients to do. That's the biggest challenge, okay? <laughs> uh, the other thing is, you know, I just take on clients that are ready to be coached and they have they have something they want to accomplish and I do that. But I think the power of uh, my business resides in my natural ability, aside from all the abuse, to see between the lines what you're saying I'm very intuitive, so it's like so things like marriages and births. I see the future in some sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, not that I put myself out here like a psychic. I'm deeply intuitive. So there was even a situation where I had a potential client. Something just kept grating on me, and I just had to come out and ask him, "Look, have you ever been abused by a woman?" Yes. So I'm highly intuitive. You're doing psychotherapy, and I'm very careful to educate my potential clients as to the difference between psychotherapy and coaching. But my psychotherapy, my natural intuitiveness, all empower how well I can be effective with the client coaching material. Not everybody is. That's crazy. So did you think that this is something that you were probably maybe born with and that maybe yes. the education kind of backed it up of like how to be able to like understand what you're seeing and how to handle it? I'm really glad you asked that because all of the layers of trauma buried it. All mm. of the years of stuffing, thinking that the little girl I used to be was getting me into trouble. So I turned my back on her completely and became this tough girl to the point where, as I was writing the book, my sister said, Linda, do you remember how you were before you went to college? I'm sitting here thinking, no. Well, do you remember this? And do you remember that? No. I mean, I had totally blocked out most of my childhood. Oh, wow. So as I healed part of this healing process where it is an onion, you peeling off layer after layer of trauma, that that takes you back to a point where you have to face the little boy or the little girl that you left behind. Because it's that little boy, for anybody out here listening to this, that's got a traumatic or abusive path that occurred when you were a kid. What you have to understand is that at some point, the great temptation will be to turn your back on the little boy or little girl that either got hurt or you think is getting you in trouble. And I'm here to tell you, until you go back and get that little boy or that little girl and bring them along and embrace them and quit ignoring them because they're jumping up and down, screaming in your face every day. Mm. And everybody sees the chip on your shoulder, but you, the bad thing is nobody can take it off, but you, Yeah, I'm just encouraging you guys because it's that little boy and that little girl who are more than enough and they're everything you, you need to be to walk into your destiny. That's who you really are. Mm. Okay. And you need to go back and get them. Trust me. That's awesome. That's some powerful stuff. I'll tell you, I, you know, when you think about that, it is, 
you know, don't leave that behind. Right. And I think it's that some of the traumatic events that happen, as you touched on, it's like you get to a point where you forget who that person or who you were originally. Right. And, and to go back to that original time. I and mean, I think about just kids in general in the sense of like kids are so like the things that they say and the things that they do, they're very untouched. Right. In the sense of like they just say whatever comes to mind. And it's like, you know, sometimes as parents, oh, don't say that. It's like, God, but it's so cute that it's like you're you're just raw you know it's like you just that's like and that's who you and then tapping back into that and going back to what that originally was and and being able to like say hey listen this is this was me back then and i want to go back to that right i want to go back into go get back on my path because i've gotten off the path a little bit because and of I something that's happened that. and yeah and then now we can get back I on it that terminology and it, it's not about going back and being them it's about returning to them okay and allowing yourself to heal enough to integrate them into who you are now and that's the power the melding you know remember that vulcan mind melting <laughs> okay yeah it's a melding of the power of who god created you to be mm. and the power of everything you've learned and healed from in the process of living life and when i got back and went back and got i call her little linda mm-hmm. when i went back and got little linda then i began to remember her and embrace her heart on the sleeve, pathetic, feeling everybody's pain. I mean, I would cry at the drop of a hat. All of that had to come back together mm. along with the healing. And that's when I begin all of the gifts God has given me that are all part of my so-called birthright toolkit. The re- I'm here for a reason. Everybody breathing in. You got a belly button. You're here for a reason. Okay. And mm-hmm. that purpose, you will never be happy until you tap into that purpose. And once you tap into that purpose, then you realize that you're normal the way God created you to be, not what life has twisted you into, mm-hmm. which is why you got to go get a little more little girl, that all of that, all of who you are as God created you, unadulterated, messed up by life, is everything you need to be to fulfill fill your purpose on earth. And when we tap into our purpose, then we find meaningfulness in the things that we do. See, I retired from the federal government because I got that. He and my boss sent me the wrong email at the wrong dang time. By the end of the day, <laughs> I had filled out my paper. I was the hell out of there. But see, what I'm doing now, when I can tap into people and really, I just have a natural ability to get in up under that whatever it is presenting itself and really encourage people and bring them along. Let them know, look, I was stuck on stupid too. Not bragging about crap on the wall behind me. <laughs> guess what? Stayed stuck on stupid the whole time. Okay. <laughs> you know, it, I've been there and done that. I don't want my platform shame to be, you know, you read about me online and oh my God, she did see that. Blah, blah. Okay, fine. I'm good with that. But when somebody talks to me, the power of authenticity, natural ability to see things, the intuitiveness, and the natural bit to encouraging and bringing people along, I want them to feel my heart. Mm. I want them to feel my heart. Yeah, I'm proud of all of that. Well, I did that to prove something to a dead man. I went to school like a mad woman after my dad died all of a sudden, okay? I was the first kid to get a degree. It's what he always wanted. He wasn't here to see it, okay? I'm proud of that. It was hard. I ain't gonna lie. It means nothing to me Yeah. if people can't see my heart. Yeah. And I think that's the power of my platform, my heart. 
Do you, do you think your dad after like four degrees said, all right, Linda, I see what you got going on, honey. You don't need to get more than four. I was for the max where your dad says, okay, hey, you're good. You're good. Well, you're like, I, I get it. Yeah, just breathe, breathe. Now you got to take care of the other stuff. You get the, you well, part of that is OCD. Part of that is OCD. So I'll give you an example. Um, a few years ago when I was working out a lot, I had this thing where instead of the escalate, I'd run the, run the stairs. Well, if I ran one set of stairs, I had to run every set of stairs that day, okay? So when it came to school, Shane, I'm sorry. It's like someone's undone because I hadn't gotten the highest one. So mm. that's why I went and got my PH, my uh, doctorate. That's awesome. That's that's the kind of OCD you want. I, I know, you know, so it's funny. So OCD is like, it can be a blessing and a curse, right? Where there's, there's something on the table, you like move out of the way, I'm going to get it done. And there's the other part is like, uh, sorry, I got something on the table. I got to get it done, right? It's like, it's it's difficult to be able to, to control that because it's one of those things that yeah. it helps with keep you motivated and keep it going. It's like, yeah, I don't need anybody to, to push me in the morning. I know what I'm going to get done. Then the other yeah. side of it is like, oh, you got to stay out of Linda's way because she's going to be gone for, you know, two right. weeks. She ain't paying you no attention, right? Uh-uh. No, no. She's not even going to know who you are. Just move out of the way. You don't want to be a, you don't be a victim. Just let her get her stuff done. Yeah, that's how I used to be, but I did chill out the older I got. Yeah. I just turned six. 63 what what is this the 18th mm -hmm. so five days ago turned 63 you look you're doing something right i gotta be honest i know this is a podcast but everybody go look at go look at linda's picture yeah i don't know what you're doing if you're using oil valet or something cucumber masks or There's i don't white stuff I, I mean i don't mean you tell me <laughs> Yeah. I've never been a black female, so I and I've never been a, a white female. I'm oh, bringing it up. I know. I know. I know. Black no, people... and part of it is hereditary because neither my mom or dad ever looked their age. Uh, okay. Part of it is what they say: black don't crack, and and don't think I don't have some. I got I got plastic surgery on my bucket list, so the minute I need it, it's on the bucket list. Well, you're. I'm. I'm gonna I'm be. Tell I know, but you're you're gonna be fine for a while. You might as well save that money and put that in your account because you're looking good. Oh, no, I'm being serious. Sixty three. I would have never guessed. Yeah. That. Honestly, I'm being being really? dead serious. Absolutely. Come on now. Don't act like you don't think you look young. You. I, I really mean, don't because really? I'm I'm real critical of myself. But my kids like are in their forties, like mid to late forties, and my son is great here and here and i told him don't be out here in public calling me mama with your old behind <laughs> so i i have a question for this is a real question when you're hanging out with him do, do people think you guys are a couple sometimes no they, they let me see i had that happen once in the 80s when i told the waitress that that was my son and she just almost dropped the tray so i don't know what she thought was going on but they everybody said we look like brothers and sisters so this is what's funny. So my mom and mom's gonna, if my mom's listening to this, she's gonna love this story. So my mom gets it all the time. So my mom looks very young and there's been a handful of times and I, and it's happened more and more. Like if it happens once, it's like, okay. But it's been like, we'll be hanging out. Cause my wife, she's, she works, she's a nurse and she works um, graveyard or, or, you know, nights. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I'll hang out with my mom or something, we'll go to dinner or something. And we've had people that are like, oh, it's cool. Like, do you guys want, you know, like, acting like we're a couple. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. Like, I don't whoa, feel like I look that old. Good. He looks oh young. my goodness. My mom, she, and so that's why I was asking you because I've been in that situation. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, does that mean she's really young or I look really old? Like, I'm still trying to right, figure that that's out. That's what like, I was asking. Yeah, like, I'm like, I, 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 do I need to color the beard or like, what do I need to do to like make you sure we're good? 
you look way young to me. I'm sorry. I'll take that. Well, my mom obviously looks younger than I do. So I, I mean, you know, shout out wow. to my mom. Whatever she's doing right probably is oil valet. Actually, it was oil valet. I do remember that. Actually, let me, let me bring that up. It was okay. Well, I'm going to get me some. Man, well, I don't think you need any. But anyways, I think you. Anyways, it's. But you guys, go check her out. I mean, I have to be honest with you. You really don't look 63. You're doing a phenomenal job. You still out there working out and doing your thing, or what's? Well, I've got a knee problem here, mm. so I've got my uh, total gym in the basement and uh, my uh, step aerobics all set up, but I had a knee problem. I was doing like two-mile walks and stuff, but something went wrong, and I'm telling you, I've been whacked out for a minute, man. I'm going to have to get it fixed because you don't want to get any injury, man. I, you know, it's funny. So I have a, a knee situation as well. I used to be, used to run quite a bit and I still am a little bit like talk about OCD, like, like Fitbit. I've got a Fitbit. I just mm -hmm. recently, this is a funny story. I just recently, like I used to have the, I had two different watches. I had one that was like kind of a nicer watch to go out. Then I had a, a watch that I would use that I could, you know, sweat and go run or do whatever. Well, and I haven't been able to, I have some really nice watches. And I'm not going to say we're going to watch this. There's really nice that I've had for a long time from my old businesses that I had from selling them and stuff. And I just have never been able to wear my really nice watches. And so just like literally just recently, I bought the little Fitbit thing that you can put on your belt and you can walk around. And so now I get to wear my watches. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I didn't wear my nice watches because I really, I didn't want to lose out on steps. Like people are like, well, just wear it at night. Yeah. Hours, and I'm like, you know how many steps I could get? Like if I'm like, I would much rather wear a watch that's not quite as nice because I would get the steps. Like literally it was like that. And so like, you know, there was probably in the last, I probably had the Fitbit for probably six years now, maybe seven. I don't know. The funny part is maybe once, I think there was one time that I went walking without it and I swear to God, I stopped. And I just thought, I got to figure out what I need to do. Like, I need to somehow get my wife to drop off the walk. Because every step I take, I'm losing. Like, I'm not getting credit for this. And I'm like, you <laughs> lost your mind. You have absolutely lost your mind. The fact that you, you stop. And I'm like, I can't walk another step. Not because there's a wow, snake. Man. Not because somebody's holding you up. But literally because I was like, I don't have my watch on. Oh, and yeah. how am I going to document these steps? Um, and I think I did call my wife. And I think she probably said, no, you, you've lost your mind. So you just go ahead and walk back. <laughs> You walk your ass yeah. back, come on back, and then you can go ahead and, you know, manually put in your thousand steps or something. Yeah, but I'm, I'm probably not going to come pick you up and bring your watch. Like, I just, unless you need your inhaler or something and you can't breathe all day long, Mama, we'll bring that. But I'm not bringing, we're not, I'm not bringing you a, a, a Fitbit watch because you forgot. It's a lesson. Yeah. I don't blame her. I would have done the same thing. That's probably like the same when you hung up on your mom. I was like, no, I'm not. Right. <laughs> That's not happening. That's right. ridiculous. But good luck with that watch thing. But, so I want you to talk a little bit about the coaching and the stuff that you do. Cause I know obviously you said, you know, your thing is, is like you do coaching, but you really can, your thing is you're not a coach that just talks about surface stuff for you. You can really dig down. You can really get somebody and understand what they've got going on and help be able to assess that situation. Like yours is a lot, A, because of training, but also just because of something you feel like you were born with of like, listen, I just, I'm a good yeah. judge of character. I can figure this out, which you can't get training on that, right? So tell us a little bit about that. Like, how does that play into to business consulting and stuff? Like, like, give us a little synopsis. It's all different. That's mm. what the thing, that's the challenge with me kind of niching down my marketing. Uh. So because I was a labor management leader and I was negotiating national contracts and doing all of that, and I've seen it done poorly, I've seen it done better, then that comes into like my consulting and I'm niching that down to cultural transformation and emotional intelligence, okay? Mm. 
So that can bring in my psychotherapy training, my labor management leadership training, 37 years with the U.S. government, had learned something, you know. <laughs> but the coaching on the side, that's the easy part because as a coach, and I am certified, I y'all get people that know what they're doing. Everybody can holler coach, <laughs> it's not regulated, okay? Yeah. So you want to make sure they get to choose what they want to work on, Okay. And then I recently had a situation where my client got sick and had to have a lot of uh, medical care. Mm -hmm. And I was challenged between do I push it? Because you got to know as coach when to push them past their comfort zone and when to let them kind of guide the process. And I was wrestling. I said, man, I can't just put this shack side boot to the glute on this guy. And he's sick. So how much do I push and how much do I not? Right. And uh, so we, I let him figure out, you know, how do you want to do this? I owe you another session, blah, blah, blah. But when you coach people, the, the key in the with, with psychotherapy is really a benefit is because you have to determine what type of mindset blockage it is Mm. and because i'm a psychotherapist and intuitive that i can dig deeper into what from way back there is getting in the freaking way and challenge you on those things without going into psychotherapy Mm. so my purpose is to help you to clarify articulate and identify your goal is what do you want to accomplish in the next three to six months? Okay. Walk you through the process of setting progressive goals to accomplish that. Kick you in the butt when you're dragging wrong. Okay. Know how to encourage you when you need that, but just to guide the process. So uh, uh, for instance, I got a, a a client now and everything that he wanted to do had to do with like marketing and setting up his business. So that's a different kind of coach mm. because I'm paying part coach, part consultant in yeah, this. For sure. Okay. So it's a mix and it just kind of a brew of things that I bring to the table for my clients, depending upon who they are, where they are in their process and what's required of my knowledge. Mm-hmm. and ability to see past things in order to get them there. And I love it because I, I'm not boilerplating anything. Yeah. Okay. I'm not boilerplating this mess. It's like, okay, A, B, C, D, E, F, G with every single client. It, it, I love that it's dynamic process. Yeah. And I learned a lot about myself in the process. Now, so when I'm consulting with CEOs, it has to do with cultural transformation, mm-hmm. Okay, into which we get a lot into, you know, really, are you being real? These people are not, because if you're not, I can't help you. Um, And emotional intelligence, because research has shown, Shane, that emotional intelligence training is not sufficient to forge the type of transformation emotional intelligence should Mm. foster. Because you really need a mentor and a coach to come alongside each individual team member so that they can operationalize what they learned in the classroom. If it stops where the classroom is, okay, they're inspired. Okay, they're motivated. But transformation comes in the work phase after that where you're operationalizing that. And one thing I have to train, teach a lot of my business clients about is that Emotional intelligence is not, oh, turn it on. I'm through the operational doors. If they're lacking it in the workplace, 
their life is jacked up to. So this is something you have to apply throughout your entire life. I love the boot to the glute. Like when you said that, you just threw that out there. And I, and I caught it like three seconds after then. She just said boot to the glute. And I'm like, I, 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 might, go get it. I might go get that Shack shirt. Man. Boot to the glute. man, Shack. a big old 18. 18. <laughs> Isn't it, wasn't Shaq shoot like 18 or something? It was like 26. I remember it was like some crazy I number. Don't know, but I'm just be recently began to see how tall that joker is. You know, that guy right there, you don't want him mad at you. No, you definitely so, don't. But to be honest, I got that from a client who was writing the recommendation and said I knew when to give her a shack size boot to the glute. And I've been using it ever since. As you should. Good. That was that was a little <laughs> hidden gem for me. I'm, I'm going to go get a shirt made. I'm going to go tell my son, hey, <laughs> boot to the glute. Get out there. And right. like, boot to the glute. Where'd you pick that up? Just right. I picked that up from Linda. She's using oil of LA or she's using oil of LA and now I'm using boot to the glute. That's what we're doing. We're trading things out today. Even that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. That is it. That is it. Well, tell us about obviously with your journeys and things you've done. Like, and obviously being an entrepreneur, I know you work for the, the federal government for 30 something years and now being an entrepreneur. I mean, talk about your journey of being an entrepreneur. Like what are some of the struggles that you've had to deal with? And I mean, a lot of people listen to podcasts or entrepreneurs or in startups and stuff like that. And you know, we all have these trials and tribulations that we go through. Talk a little bit about, I mean, I know about your past and the stuff you've done recently, or I guess in the past past, but talk about your stuff more recently on the things that you've gone through as an entrepreneur and, you know, growing your business and things like that. You're talking about a sales funnel, which I was like, that's awesome. I was like, you know, finally got some sales stuff going. You've been niching down and stuff like talk a little more on that. Okay. The greatest thing that I want to say about that is that, that I've had a lot of false starts. I've had to rebuild. I, I do my own website. I designed it. Um, I did all SEO, all the code behind it. I do it all because this is destiny on a dime for me. Mm-hmm. And as a result of having to do it all, then there was a lot of things, a lot of information that I'm gathering all the time that's just not making any sense. Mm-hmm. And I wasted a lot of time. So one of the reasons I had to rebuild my website a couple of times is because I didn't know who I was. I get it, y'all. It sounds cliche. Yada, yada. I'm not trying to be cliche. I'm telling you that if you don't know who you are, Mm. then you will never be able to make it through all of the noises and the voices that are hammered at you. You will spend a lot of unnecessary money with no ROI, and you will be trying to wear somebody else's pants. What I mean by that is you're trying to boilerplate Joe Blow's experiences into your life and your business. You're trying to boilerplate his A, B, C, D into your life. It's a waste of time. I'm sorry, you guys. It's a waste of time. And that's what I did. I wasted time. I wasted money. And as I'm telling Shane, I'm just now recognizing who the heck is Linda. Am I ignoring who I am and my pain in the interest of trying to boilerplate somebody else's experience. That's their walk. And trust me, nine times out of 10, when they get, get charged with all their money for this A, B, C, D, they leave it out a whole lot in between the A and the B mm-hmm. because it's getting straight down to what Shane said. Nobody's talking about the fact that a successful entrepreneur has multiple years behind them. And those failures are like rungs on a ladder. You cannot climb up a ladder skipping rungs if you don't want to fall. And so don't do that. Please just take a deep breath. 
figure out who you are. And please, 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 please stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. This is the deal. There are people out there who need you, your services, your unique way of delivering services that nobody can reach but you. Nobody can reach that individual but you. And when you think about it beyond all leads and warm leads and cold leads and trying to draw people in your funnel, I guarantee you, even if it seems like a slower start, if you come from your heart and care about people, then you will understand what I'm telling you about. There are people out there that need you and need your particular brand and method of delivering something. And nobody but you can reach that person. And that's what I'm just learning, Shane. I'm leaning into my background as a survivor. I'm going ahead and acknowledging that. And I'm going to follow that where it leads me. There's a whole bunch of junk out there. I'm not, that's just hard for me to understand. But this funnel thing didn't need to come to me five years ago. It needed to come to me after I figured out who the heck I was and I was going to quit running from who I am. Yeah. Now you, you've done some soul searching, right? And I think it's, it's taken a while. Like it does a lot of people. Some people don't ever get there. Right. And the thing is, and I, I think a lot of people, and a lot of people probably listen to this podcast have, you know, gone down that you buy this and you buy this program, you do this, and you do that. And you're trying to reenact, trying to redo what somebody else's yeah. success is. Right. And that's yeah. at the end of the day, it's like, you're, you're going after something that of course that person is, you know, with their rented Lamborghini and rented, you know, whatever it is. I heard about that. Right? Yeah. So that's the thing Somebody is. Somebody was telling me that. Yeah. A lot of that stuff is. I mean, you can rent any one of those things by the hour for two hours, for three hours. And the thing is, is you look at that and you get you know excited about the shiny things and this, that, and the other. And you know, not to say that they might not have some good information, but to try to follow exactly what they did to get to success, it's going to take a lot of failures, right? And a lot of people would want to skip that step of failure. And you know, it's funny. I have a company that we're going to be working with a buddy of mine, Chris Rudin, who's uh, diabetic and he's disabled. He's a power lifter. He's phenomenal. He was actually on the Rock Show, the um, Titan Games. But anyways, we have a thing called Fail Forward, where we're doing t-shirts where it's going to be like Fail Forward, because people are worried about failing. And I've had in the past people ask me, like, how can I be successful? And I'm like, fail as many times as you can. And they're like, that's your answer? And I go, that's literally my answer. Like, I'm not saying don't work hard and don't, you know, don't don't hustle. But the thing is, is like, you're going to fail and be okay with that, right? And then also I think for you, there was that soul searching to figure out exactly who you are, right? You were going after certain things as we have all done, right? We're all guilty of it. Some of us go down and some of us learn after one year, some of us learn after five, some of us don't ever learn, right? But I think now you're at a point now where it's like, now you recognize what your, your superpowers are, right? And you understand who you are as an individual. And now you're ready to go talk to the world about what you've got and what you're ready to bring to the table, which is your expertise, right? And that's what I, that's what I think a lot of people don't realize is that let's say you have a course, you're doing coaching. It, it, a lot of people don't realize that everybody has something that they can teach somebody. And it's really hard for people to understand. Hey, that. Don't get like, that. Hey, go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is yes, like you, you have, you have something like a course or something you can build and people, yeah, that people don't want to really care what I've gone through, but we do because there's experience. Like the things that I've gone through, that's the reason why I write on my blog is like, I talk about stuff that I want people to like missing. Like, this is how you can learn to do marketing. You can save yourself five months by doing this, or you can do this, or you can take this it's a great course for cheap instead of going after the $10,000 course or something like that. But the idea is to help each other. That's it. That's it. And there it is. There it is. I tried to, I tried to do the, oh my goodness. I had a stack of papers 10 times as thick of 
scripts you use. And if you say this, then you say this. And if you say this, you say that. I one day I threw that crap in the trash. Why? Because it didn't feel like me. Yeah. It didn't feel like me. And one thing that you're 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 uh you kind of surfaced on and what you just said that I that I think that your audience should glean from this conversation is if you can just lean into who you are, know that if somebody's telling you something and it doesn't feel right for you, spend no time forcing that thing. Yeah. Especially if it's a marketing tactic. Yeah. Okay. Tactics. What you do is different. Save money here. This is a shortcut to that. That's different from I'm rich. I'm standing in front of this mansion. You can too. Hustle, 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 hustle. Yeah, that's it's don't the, chase the dollar. No, and if, chase it, purpose. if it looks too easy, trust me, there's there's something else there. There's something else going on. If you're the thing is, what we always talk about, I, I call it my spider sense. Like if I'm looking at something, I'm like, well, that's. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I'm looking at that. I'm like, this just doesn't seem right. Like there's something about right. this. If it seems too easy or too quick or buy this and you can be instant this. I'm like, ah. I mean, no, not to say that I didn't fall for that when I was younger, right? I mean, it, you know, not to say that sometimes I look at it and go, mm, you know, I'm not saying I haven't emailed some of the guys and be like, hey, let's do a trade out. Give me access to your course and I'll give you access right. to mine, right? But it is interesting right. to kind of see that. I think, you know, we all evolve and hopefully become wiser as we get older, right? About things that are going on. So what other future projects do you have? Now you're doing the coaching, the consulting, obviously everything's going awesome there. Like what other future, you got anything else in the future? I mean, I know you're probably one of those crazy entrepreneurs like me. You got 10 other ideas after this. Are you, are you strictly focused on the consulting and coaching? Well, you know, one thing that just recently happened, um, the end of October, November, December, January, February, March, for some reason I went on this terror <laughs> of checking crap off my procrastination list. In that time, I did an audio book. I created a journal to go along with the book I wrote. I have updated and rebranded and redesigned two courses that I it took me six months to develop the first time. So what I, I've been doing, it seems like for some reason, I'm in this thing about let's check off everything that you told yourself you couldn't do for one reason or another. I don't multitask well. So I really focus on one thing at a time. At this time, I don't have anything other than I'm up. I just redid all my one sheets. I just reformatted my resume. So it looks like I'm on this thing where I'm trying to redevelop this foundation that, that I'm on. And I don't see any major projects. Uh, I'm hoping that once the coronavirus thing lifts, then I'm going to really be pushing to get out there and do more speaking engagements. Yeah, I hear you. We just, I mean, I, I just in the last three weeks, I had three paid gigs that canceled us. I mean, over literally overnight, it was within 20, no, about 48 hours. They're like, mm. hey, we're, you know, cancel, we're cancel, cancel. And everybody's pushing them out. So that's not a bad thing. But yeah, it's just, the thing is, is, you know, this, this podcast will come out in the next few weeks. Unfortunately, we're probably at the beginning stages of this coronavirus thing, but it's just a crazy, crazy. I mean, we're, I'm in California. We're, we're on lockdown. Are, yep. you, are you getting locked, locked down in Michigan or no? We just recently started on this lockdown thing. We are not shutting down restaurants, et cetera, but they did close all the schools. Mm. But we came into the thing a little bit late. Well, that's, I mean, the only good thing about that is hopefully it's because you guys aren't in, in, in a high risk category, right? So that's the only reason why I'm hoping anybody's reacting late to this thing. They're, they obviously want to, you know, call them flatten the curve. They want to stop the, the spread of it. And I get it. I mean, it's I'm, I'm whatever it takes. I know it's going to affect a lot of people, the economy, recessions, it's going to be, 
a lot of things are going to happen, but I, you know, being a, a very optimistic and positive person, there'll be some good stuff that happens out of it. And it's difficult when you're in the middle of it, but I think some good stuff will happen. But I, I truly, honestly, in my heart believe that. So I'm right with you too. And I just hope people are not getting paralyzed with fear. No, 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 no. I mean, yeah, that's that. Yeah, something you got to watch out for. But the thing is, is it's, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, there, there's the media and all that kind of stuff. It can play a big part in being fearful. Oh, my goodness. It's, they harping you know, on this thing. They just hammer and hammer and They're, hammer. they're oh. beating it to death. And the thing is, you can spend, you know, 15 hours a day staring at different stats yeah. from here and there and the other. It's like, you know what? At the end of the day, just protect yourself. Wash your hands. Stay inside. You know, keep your, your sphere of friends pretty small in regards to who you're going out with and doing stuff with or, you know, and, and just try not to go crazy. Still go on walks. Do your thing. That, you know, hey, look, the best you can do is the best you can do. That's, that's all. It. That's exactly it. So cool. Well, we're, once again, Linda, this, I knew this was going to be a fun interview. So I've got, I've got one last question for you. And I'm always, this is one of my favorite questions. If you had three people that you could have dinner with, dead or alive, who would that be? Who would be at your, your table of, assuming that we're all Corona free and that, you know, we can invite them and we can all have dinner together. Who are your three? Yeah, I wrote that down. Mm. Okay. Number one, this one's going to surprise you. Johnny Jett from Barnwood Builders. I don't know if you know who this guy is. <laughs> I do not. That's my, oh my good. Look, Johnny Jett, look him up. I will. He's on Barnwood Builders just because I like that guy. Old guy, he looks like, you know, you know how you said your parents were hippies? Yeah. He looks like one that's still stuck there with the long beard, gray beard, skinny guy. But yeah, Johnny Jett. Then Maya Angelou. Oh, yeah, you know, for sure. I wouldn't ask her thing. I'd just bask in her magnificence. I would oh, just sure. in her presence. And Jacqueline Kennedy on NASA, because I want to know what she knows about the assassination. You know, she sealed up certain records until so many years after her last child dies. I'm probably not going to be around when that happened. So I want to sit down and say, hey, what do you know? You know. About the probably has some intel i know i never forget my mom talked about the day that that happened and she's like it was her came home and her mom was crying my grandma was crying had no idea didn't really see my grandma cry too much and she was like just distraught about it so you were you weren't born i wasn't no i wasn't i was i mean i'm 44 now so almost 45 so yeah, I'm old enough to be your mother, but I might not look as good as no, she does. Uh, she you, or you might, ass. or you might. You look at your, <laughs> you might be running side by side with her. Sorry, mom, but I'm just, you got to look her up. You <laughs> hey, guys mom. figure out who's younger. Yeah, that, that day, I'll never, I was in kindergarten. Hmm. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, yeah. crazy, crazy. When you have that kind of person has that kind of impact on a community. You, know, in a you look up Johnny Jet. I will. Barnwood Builders, darn it. And watch at least one episode. Y'all know, see, your listeners know who I'm talking about. Hey, if you know Johnny, tell him. I, I'm going to Google him right now. Yeah, if your listeners know Johnny, get in touch with him. Tell him Linda wants to meet him. That's awesome. We're going to make that happen. I'm going to reach out to him and tell him, hey, you got to listen to this podcast. You got a fan. We need to have dinner. We need to figure out dinner situations. Right? I'll pay for dinner. I'll talk to him. Yeah, okay. You do that. Linda, you're an angel. It was, I'm oh. so glad that we had you on the podcast today. You're an absolute angel. Thank you for everything you're doing for the community and giving back and t- telling your story and how you're able to touch everybody and, and once again, touch their hearts. I appreciate everything you're doing. Look, it's been my honor, Shane. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, we, like I said, we'll be chatting here soon. 
And you guys, if you like listening to this podcast, and you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to it. Once again, I know you hear me say this all the time. I've got my How to Be an Influencer course. That's howtobeaninfluencer.com. My course on how to be an influencer, once again, less about how to like, you know, get diamonds and be on private flights, but really how to be an entrepreneur and how to put together a good campaign and be able to reach out to brands. So once you guys check that out, Linda, thank you so much for being on the podcast.